This is Masters Cast, the first He-Man and She-Ra podcast, episode number 66 for whatever today is. Oh, that's right. It's Sunday, January 20th, 2019. I'm leaving that. Will you fight for the honor of Grayskull? Thanks, thanks for downloading. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratus Macca. And I'm Josh Lioncourt, also known as simply Lioncourt. And uh, Martin is off on vacation, um, hopefully not in Drill, which we will be talking about today in one of the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a very friendly place right now. It's not. Don't go I there. think I think in in context, you know, when when the when the best friend squad went to visit it, maybe they could suspect that there was something going on with Entrapta just by the way her kingdom looked. Then again, don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we're going to continue. We have we actually have some new toy things to talk about too. Um, and I have a story. And you have a story. Oh, yeah. Well, wait, when did you want to do the story? Uh, whenever. I can. Before we get into the Shira stuff, because then I'll, I'll forget about it and it won't matter. It's not, it's not a huge deal. So. All right. Well, everybody hit pause on Netflix. Josh has a story. All right. Quick story for you guys. So, uh, like, I don't know about the rest of you here on the show, but I think a lot of people our age, roughly, also grew up, like I did in the 80s, watching and has some nostalgia for reruns of I Love Lucy, which mm-hmm. I was watched incessantly as a child and <laughs> still enjoy uh, watching now and then as well. And recently a podcast that I listened to did a, um, it's a history podcast and they did this whole show on Lucille Ball, which was uh, really fun and that kind of got me going again and I was watching old reruns and uh, found out that there was a bunch of books on Audible uh, her autobiography Desi Arnaz's autobiography which is of course her husband and Ricky Ricardo on the show and uh, another book that was a memoir by the head writer of I Love Lucy just a behind the scenes sort of thing so I've been reading these and I uh, just finished the last one with the head writer. And th- this is going to be related. So just hang with me here for a minute. <laughs> so the, uh, the memoir um, by the head writer uh, is broken into two parts. So the, 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 the memoir first and then at the end of the audiobook, there is a recording of a stage play where they kind of adapted his memoir into um, a stage production. And it stars a whole bunch of people, including, much to my surprise, because it's not listed anywhere on the Audible page, playing the head writer of Isle of Lucy. That guy, the guy that wrote the memoir, is Alan Oppenheimer. Oh, cool. Cool. What? Oh, my God. I... It was so funny because at the beginning of that section, they're like rattling off the cast and everything. And and I'm like half paying attention, figuring I'm probably not going to know who most of these people are anyway. I I had the most tremendous double take (laughs) and packed it up just to make sure. (laughs) And sure enough, yep, that's who does it. So if anyone is interested in hearing that, 
the book is called I Love Lucy, The Untold Story, and it's by Jess Oppenheimer, no relation to Alan Oppenheimer, and they make a joke about that at the beginning of the play. Um, but he plays Jess Oppenheimer in the in the play adaptation that's at the end of the audiobook. So really fun, really need to hear him do something completely different. And uh, what a bizarre coincidence is when, when two worlds collide that you're not expecting. So it was fun. And it, it was done fairly recently. The play was from 2011. So um, hmm. fairly, fairly recently. You know, I Love Lucy always made me so nervous. Like, it was very hard to watch that show because I would feel I would just be nervous for her because I knew she was going to get in trouble. <laughs> like it was I, stressful to watch that show well i still love that show like she was such a brilliant brilliant comedian it's just god she's so funny and bit of trivia i'm pretty sure this is correct that she's responsible for the success of star trek yes she like, is i think they were going to pull it right and she was like no i will support it or something like that, that. is correct she she was the one that gave the final green light on it but what was really hilarious about that was that she had knew absolutely nothing about the show and she actually said in the meeting oh i want to make i want to uh, make sure we make that show about the uh the celebrities that go and perform for the troops because she thought that's what star trek was about <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's wow. quite funny. But yeah. That's even better. But she was the one that greenlit the original Star Trek series. That is correct. Sweet. We all love Lucy in our own way. Yes, I've been to the Lucy Desi Museum. Which which what is, is that? Jamestown, New York. Jamestown, New York. Yeah, that would be fun. That's where she's from. Yeah, it was I a very tiny somewhere. museum, but they like had like, you know, a bottle of her homemade, you know hair dye and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> wow that's really fun so who knew that we could connect <laughs> i love lucy <laughs> to masters of the universe love it well that's a good story six Josh. degrees you. hey, it's you're fun with was uh fun. <laughs> alan oppenheimer too because he'll he'll often pop up on a sitcom like rerun type type yes. thing um and it's like you'll have it on in the background then you hear like the voice yeah. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, I know who that is. Or like, there was an episode of Cheers on, and I'm like, sitting here, I don't like Cheers, but it was on in the background. <laughs> and I was like, wait, that voice, I know that voice. What is that voice? And I was like, oh, it was Melinda Britt. She was in an episode of, of Cheers. But it's like, it's weird oh because you're God. like hearing the voice, and you're like, I know this, but where do I know it from? Mm-hmm. Then it's like, ding, Shira. He's so versatile, though, because like in in listening to the play, I was like expecting to hear something that sounded more like man in arms or whatever. Right. Like a little bit closer to his real voice. Actually, what it ended up sounding like, which is probably closer to his real voice, but it's still weird because it's such a strange character voice that he did was if anybody remembers uh, the voice of Dragoon from Dawn of Dragoon, which is one of my favorite episodes of the original series. And that's Alan Oppenheimer doing that voice. And that's kind of what he sounds like, sort of, in the stage play, which is kind of funny. Hmm. So you can just picture Dragoon in the stage play when you listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Fun, fun. 
Well, should we talk about the figures before we get into the episodes? Yeah, let's get let's get all that out of the way before we we turn on the cartoon. Cool. Um. So pre-orders. Pre-orders. Yes. And I. <laughs> I have I'm not sorry. put mine in yet. I need. No, to do I need to point. do my. Well, I'm doing yeah, mine too. But we have. Uh, these are all filmation, so it's a filmation wave, or Club Grayskull, which should just be called filmation. Um, Modulock, uh, non-laughing Prince Adam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think he comes with another head, though, right? Well, I and does and a tran- transforming sword the, with the lightning. I think. Yep. Um, That's cool. Katrina, Roboto, uh, Shadow Weaver, and uh, Stratos. Yay! And, woo! <laughs> and you know we mentioned like um, yeah like so, uh, you know Shadow Weaver comes with that stab. You know Prince Adam's gonna have that um, sword. Katrina has her whip. Stratos has the sword of Leanne. I mean the sword of Iname. I can't pronounce it. It's easier <laughs> if you say it if you if you if you reverse the spelling. I I feel just personally. Yeah, I, I think I would so agree too. With that. I just I thought it was an interesting <laughs> name for a sword. I, I did I don't know if anyone else did, but <laughs> I think it's pretty awesome. I it's super awesome. Just saying. It's very cool. I like um the Shadow Weaver's color is different than the um red coloring of her first release from the, the Mattel uh line. I, I do think mm-hmm. it looks it makes it look a bit more filmationy. So that's good. Yes. And um, my really only complaint on this line or this wave is um, Modulok's two heads and his enormous neck. Yeah. Um, if they pack when, when they pack him in his packaging, I would hope that he just has regular neck with the filmation head. That that's what I would prefer because I don't open these; I keep them in the box. <laughs> The boxes are so they nice. They are. They're so cool looking. I can't. I can't take them out. Yeah, well, I you take know, they're mine actually out. they're actually pretty easy uh, because they are not sealed. It's just a piece of scotch tape, so you can actually do it without really doing any damage. No, I know. Yeah, my friend told me that too, and I but I can't be bothered with all that's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier for me to just stick it on the shelf with the box. Those of you with room to do such things. <laughs> I ran out several figures back. Well, that's because your entire sure house is like a museum to Rainbow Bright. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I do like the look of most of those figures, actually. And I'm super happy that my my dear friend John is going to help me finally get a Shadow Weaver because I missed out on her the first time around. And on eBay, even loose ones are like over $200. And I've just been like, eh. I don't, I care, but I don't know if I care that much. And I was always hoping they would re-release her in some form. And filmation is always my preferred style of anything. So this is just perfection for me. And I'm so glad I'm going to finally have her to add to my collection. Yeah, she looks really good. I I like the brighter red. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm excited for Katrina, mostly because Cat and the Spider, I've always really liked that episode and it was also the episode that was on the uh tape with the message that i got from filmation back then as well so that's cool so excited yep yeah they all look really good um 
and I was totally stoked to get Stratos. I really wanted the. I was hoping they would come out with the Filmation Stratos. Oh yeah, I mean he so. he's he's definitely one of the more popular characters too. Uh, that was featured more often, you know, in the cartoon series too. So it it makes sense that he should be one of. He should have probably been in an earlier wave, to be honest. Yeah. Better late than never. Definitely. Yes. Now if they would just ship our other wave that we already paid for. (laughs) Yeah, now is this the wave that She-Ra was in? No, the the wave we're waiting for right now is the wave that She-Ra's in. Okay. I think that one's shipping soon. I th- they, th- one nice thing I do like that Super 7 does is they send us, like, these update emails that are, like, you know, like, they're on the boat. Like, they're headed to the warehouse or something like that. And I think there was an email about that. There was an email about the 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 Netflix She-Ra, the, the She-Ra and the Catra figure. Like, they're arriving, too. So I, I think things are arriving and they're going to be shipping them soon. Okay. At this point, I'm I'm just, like, I usually just pre-order and then eventually they come in when I see other people posting on Facebook that they've received their figures. I'm like, Oh, I must Mm -hmm. be getting something in the mail soon. Yeah. Usually I'm just surprised when it's on my doorstep and I'm like, Oh, more master stuff. Cool. It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) And is there also a, I think it's called collector's choice. Another line that's coming out soon after the, or at the same time as the filmation one. Not that they've announced. I think they said it's they're, yeah, they're hinting at that, but they haven't shown oh, okay. they haven't shown what classics figures uh they would be. Okay. Gotcha. Well yay for more filmation in our lives. Squeak. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess we're ready to go into Sheba and the Princesses of Power, yes. Yes. Yeah. So our next two episodes that we're going to talk about, um, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe are System Failure and In the Shadows of Mr. Core. Correct. Okay, good. Because I totally watched those ones again. (laughs) So they were fresh in my mind. I might be lying. So So, uh, I'm going to just throw something out here that I thought was interesting. I I rewatched them a few days ago. Oh, my God. Uh, the last episode that we did where we had the Flowers for Shira episode that we talked about, and I had mm-hmm. mentioned that that episode for me was uh, stood up a lot better this, on the second watching than it did the first watching. Like, I, I really enjoyed it a lot more the second time. What's really funny is this time I had that same thing happen in each direction for these two episodes. Like, I enjoyed system failure a lot less than i did the first time and i enjoyed mm-hmm. in the shadows of Ma- mystic girl a whole lot more than i did the first time so mm. um which i was not expecting i think i enjoyed both of them less this time i'm not sure why i mean we'll probably dissect it as we go through them and maybe i'll be able to put my finger on it um but for me these are not my not the strongest episode. No, they're really season. not. Overall, these are the, the these are the two weakest ones of the series for me, anyway. Yeah. Well, the whole point, of course, of system failure is to introduce us to Entrapta, um, 
who's a princess. Who is a fantastic character. Like, yes. I love oh, yeah. Ben the, Crafter's character. The, the, and I love I, the... When they posted a clip of her voice on the She-Ra website before the, you know, before the series premiered, you're like, oh my, this might not work out for me. Um, but when you actually, <laughs> you know, have her talking more than just a, a few words uh, and, and you see her and her personality, though I love the voice acting so much on Entrapta and just just her, the way they did her personality from from the way she speaks to how she's obsessed with little tiny food uh, to how, you know, her hair moves with her hands. Yeah. Yes. I just love it. <laughs> and I agree on the voice. It's, I love that it's so different yeah. from everyone else without being like a really just ridiculous accent. Like you can absolutely understand her easily, but it's just, it's nuanced and it's unique. And I love that. What I like to, they start her out as a princess, uh, in the in the kingdom of Drill, and um, we know Drill. At least we know the minds of Drill from the original Shira cartoon. So again, props to using proper lore um, in the series. <laughs> um, but of course, you know, Entrapta was a villain in the original Shira. Um, here, she's not necessarily a villain first or maybe at all technically um i love the way they write her she she it's i don't want to say she's out for her own but she's maybe out for knowledge and and the knowledge may lead her down the wrong path unfortunately yeah but um uh, you know, instead of using someone like, I don't know, maybe Double Trouble. Double Trouble uh, would have made a lot of sense in this. Yeah. Was, that was what I was thinking, actually. And I wondered if maybe they started with Double Trouble and realized maybe they they preferred using Entrapta for this. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because that seems like that's who, like, if you were familiar with the original and putting together the storyline, that would have been the natural fit. But this this was the right choice, I think. But when you were saying you you enjoyed this one a little less um, than you did before, I, I think this episode it's 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 very different than a lot of the other episodes in this series. It's like Drill is kind of like a damp and dark kind of castle kingdom. There doesn't seem to be that many inhabitants. And those the the like the three people I forget their names like Soda Pop. Um, oh, they have names. They have names. Yes, uh, they, they have names. Um, <laughs> I'm blanking, but um, I, they also might be. I think it was like you know Baker Soda Pop and something. Um, but uh, I know the one is named Soda Pop. The the one that handled the okay. soda pop <laughs> but, <laughs> but like they were kind of scared of entrapta she's very like you you know uh, unique personality i don't really know the the correct term to she's use she's like eccentric like yeah yeah mm-hmm. like i mean she even has like a picture on the wall like if you if you look closely on the walls of the castle there's like a family portrait but like her mom and dad look like robots or something like that <laughs> Yes, uh, it's her as like a little, I don't know, five-year-old-ish, yeah. and she's so cute. 
But she has a piece of First One's tech, right? And she's, like, manipulating it, and it it basically fights back by putting a virus into all of her robots and and, and things like that, and it ends up infecting uh, She-Ra's Sword of Protection because the Sword of Protection is actually a portable runestone, so also First One's technology. Um, So it gets infected, and Adora's, like, acting drunk the whole time. <laughs> maybe, so maybe uh, t- going back to the portrait, maybe she built herself robot parents. She probably did. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> it does make you wonder how long she has been by herself, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I felt like Soda Pop and Baker and what's the other one that throws plates or something? Um, Plate Girl. I like <laughs> Plate Girl, sure. I feel like they're more scared of the robots than they are of her because one of them says like, oh, I'm never going to get used to these things. Oh, that's true. Good point. So maybe they used to actually interact with her more directly, but they also were saying, oh, well, at least we don't get lost in her labyrinth all the time anymore. (laughs) You'd think she would give them a map or something. (laughs) Yeah, she's kind of like lost in her own world (laughs) in Trapped Mm -hmm. As, so... Literally. Yeah. <laughs> and she's famous because of all of these things. Like Bo mentioned that there's some type of like Ethereum makers club that, you know, cause community. Yeah. Community. Yes. Cause he dabbles in his own, you know, trick arrows and he's like so stoked to meet Entrapta because she's like a famous inventor. I love that line so much. Okay. A lot of people probably don't even know what like a maker space is or a maker community, um, but my husband is hugely into that world, so I hear about it all the time. And they can, they some towns will have like a maker space where there are three D printers and laser cutters and all of these tools that you don't have to own, but you like pay like maybe a monthly membership fee or something, and you can go in and use them. Um, so it's just encouraging people to make their own things instead of just buying prefab, whatever. And just it's just encouraging creativity and in, um, ingenuity. There's the word. <laughs> things like that. So it made me so happy that they even mentioned that on a new cartoon like this. So kids will be like, what's a maker community? And if their parents don't know, they can Google it and look it up. And a lot of kids are getting into this now, too, that... Oh, so I can dream something up and then actually has a have a physical representation of it that I made. That's really cool because when we were kids, like unless your father was a woodworker, good luck making anything that you come up with in your head. But these days it's much easier. Yeah, I thought it was good for Bo too because it showed you know that he, he makes his own arrows and like trick arrows and things. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And then, of course, it comes into play later on, you know. Absolutely. And I was trying to remember, in the original Shira, did he ever mention making his own arrows? Like, I guess he did, but did that ever really come up as a thing? It was kind of glossed over, I think. And a lot of times, you know, Madame Raz would put a spell on his arrow. Like, he'd be like, I hope the spell um, Madame put on this arrow works. Okay. So, yeah, I think I like this better, that they're relying more on his intellect um, and putting that to use in a way that he's actually inventing something that didn't exist before. Well, yeah, and it's, it's really them cool. taking these existing characters, and I'm not saying one-dimensional as a 
criticism of the original show. But like you're saying, you're kind of questioning, wait, did Bo make his own arrows? Like, da, da, da. like they're taking the they're character of Bo. Out. Yes, fleshing it out from the base that was already there. Yeah. Definitely welcomed. And I did like how at the end of the episode, we are led to believe that Entrapta has her own agenda. Because um, a lot of us going into this are confused. We're like, Entrapta's a bad guy. So did they make her a good guy in this? Are they going to flip her over to the Horde? Like, what exactly is is the intentions here? So I like how they kind of set up that, you know, there was more to her than meets the eye. And I, and I also thought it was interesting. She's a princess without a rune stone because we haven't, oh. we haven't really met yeah. many princesses, right? They all have rune stones. Like when we meet Frosta, she has a rune stone and uh, Glimmer has a rune stone and all these people have them, but Entrapta doesn't. Maybe she used it in a crazy experiment and shattered it. (laughs) (laughs) That is an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that. Or it may have been, it may have been stolen by the horde at some point that could maybe account for some of their advanced tech as well. Mm -hmm. If it was more technologically inclined, which it seems like it would be. That is a good point. And there's some funny quotes in this one. Um, like when they're first kind of approaching the castle and there's the big rock slide or whatever and Bo's like, we need to be as quiet as possible. And Adora's just like, for the honor of Grayskull! <laughs> <laughs> this goes charging in. And then they're getting closer to the castle and Bo again is like, careful, be careful, it could be a trap. And her and Glimmer fall in the trap. So it's like, will you listen to Bo? He really does have your best interest at heart. Oh, and then when um, Adora is kind of you know, virus drunk, um, I think it's Glimmer. She's like, it's Bo. And Adora says, yay, there's a rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of good lines for drunk Adora. I thought she was hilarious. <laughs> that was obviously my favorite drunk quote. But there, you're right. There was a lot of good. And even the animation changed on her face, I feel, yeah. during that time. She kind of looked like a Peanuts character. Yeah, because she, really she would, I noticed that too, like, because she would, like, throw her head back, and yeah. she'd have that, like, round face, you know, where you could just see her mouth, because her head was, her yep. was back. Yeah, that was really funny. Totally. I thought that was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm all for throwing in different styles and, and things like that. Um... And then Bo just being amazing with the kitchen staff and, like, boosting them up. Like, you don't have to be... I don't think I made a note of that quote. Something about you don't have to be a... Have special powers to be a hero. Mm -hmm. And he shows them, like, the skills they already have can be useful. And then they go out and seriously kick butt with them. (laughs) I love the plate thrower who's, like, just cutting robots' heads off with her plate. Yeah, and then also um, because Bo had run out of arrows except for the one Sonic arrow. And so it showed, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't need arrows to basically kick ass. Like, you know? Yeah. Very good point. Yeah, I feel like and this episode had a lot of good pieces. And in, for me, it just it doesn't quite... Uh, 
I, not that they don't fit together, but there, there doesn't seem like they're, it, it's missing something. It's missing a through line or something for me. Like, I love Entrapta's character. I love a lot of the things you guys are, are pointing out, out, but like as an episode, it just doesn't, uh, doesn't work as well for me as it, and for some reason it worked better the first time I watched it. Yeah. And maybe I, some of that is comparatively like now we know like the first time I watched it right I hadn't seen the next six seven episodes whatever is left of the uh, season and uh, in retrospect <laughs> co- compared to what's coming later um, it doesn't it doesn't it's not nearly as good as where where they were going in a lot of ways yeah it's not as strong of an episode like, uh, as a whole though like so many of the yeah. pieces are really good but it's just doesn't could quite a, hang think, together. Could a part of it too just be the suffering of they know like for the first half of the season they have to introduce you to a new princess basically right in every episode and then the later half of the season is kind of like more threaded storylines where everybody's now integrated. Um, so I wonder if they're going to run into that same type of issue in season two. I'm hoping season two is much more of a uh, story driven rather than the let's spend six seven episodes introducing you one by one <laughs> to a different the character of the week uh, and I, <laughs> I hope that that's not what season two is i i suspect it won't be i i suspect we'll get some new characters introduced but hopefully in a more organic sort of way i would agree and I think part of my problem with this episode, watching it over and over, is now that we know about Entrapta's fascination with the tech and how that overshadows any moral code that she might have, it's kind of frustrating to watch her. And it kind of reminds me, I mean, as much as I love Hagrid from Harry Potter, it's like his fascination with beasts and he can't see anything wrong with them even when they try to eat children so he'll, he'll still defend them so i feel like entrapped is the same way like this tech oh yeah okay it almost killed me and everyone else but the next experiment clearly won't go wrong it'll be fine it's just she's got this huge blind spot that maybe there's something wrong here <laughs> maybe she should focus on something else or just say okay yeah experiment failed get rid of that and then she's putting the pieces back together at the end i'm like oh come on yeah i thought that was <laughs> good foreshadowing though yes definitely but it just makes me wonder how i mean clearly she's very intelligent because she makes all these robots and inventions and stuff but well well yeah there's plenty of examples in history of super intelligent geniuses that are not street smart for lack of a better term yeah the social um, skills aren't there, but the, the intelligent yeah. levels are high. Yeah, I think that might be the case here. Um, and I just had to point out real quick, Bo calling the uh, the three kitchen people his band of kitchen knights, the <laughs> baking brigade, and the pasty patrol, or pastry patrol, sorry. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. Oh, you know, and also, um, before I forget... On Twitter, the um, Shira uh, Twitter account has posted because I guess Entrapta's birthday is supposed to be January twenty fourth. They said, 
And oh. so they've put up a recipe for where how you can make your own tiny cupcakes. <laughs> it was really cute. I watched it last night. That's amazing. But they go like step by step, like how you do it and the ingredients and mix in purple food coloring. And it's really cute. Nice. That's Look awesome. at that. Teaching kids how to cook and all this. Oh, I love it. <laughs> the uh, I love it. Shira social media accounts are really fun. They did like they are a, really good. They did another video of like how how to literally make your own sort of protection piñata. <laughs> what? Yeah, like it's a, I saw the cupcake one too uh, the other day and I was like this this is so cool. Like I don't know. They're the whoever their social media team is is really getting into it. <laughs> mhm. They've been on it from day one, honestly. But yeah. yeah, I feel like it keeps getting better. Just announce us a season two, please. Mm-hmm. Ready, please. You know, it's funny. Don't we? Oh, go oh, ahead. Josh. Oh, I was just going to say, um, we were talking about uh, the flip-flop that they did with Entrapta's character going from princess to part of the horde. What might be fun going forward in season two and beyond, hopefully, if the series continues uh what might be fun to do with her character uh you kind of gave me this idea katie right now when you're talking about her having the blind spot right where she's just kind of obsessed and fascinated with tech and it sort of overrides any sort of uh, moral compass that she may mm-hmm. have um might be fun to see her like constantly flip-flopping back and forth between helping one side and the other just whatever oh whatever whoever's got the better tech uh project for her to work on at any given moment that's that's the side she's working for him and really doesn't care and yeah I so that, that hope, could be a lot of fun i so hope they do that because i think that would totally suit her character because i don't feel yeah. like she's a she's bad like she you know she belongs on the horde um mm-hmm. she's just it's like whoever has the best resources and you know stuff she can yeah. work with you know the most interesting project yeah yeah, yes. it's like it's like all the people working at the Silicon Valley companies, is right? Like uh, working for one company and then the other one's like, "Oh, we're starting this other project. Okay, I'll quit over here and work over here." You know, just <laughs> whoever's got the the more interesting thing to do. Yep, I love it. That's a and that's a really good analogy. Yeah, I could see her going good again. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I have know. a couple ideas I just... with her, but they don't come up until later episodes, so I, I don't want to say them yet. Oh, that's true. We really shouldn't be talking about. We can talk about it a little. Yeah. I was just there. It's hard not to specific right? examples because we've already yeah. watched all the episodes. Right. Um, any other thoughts on uh, system failure? I don't think so. By the way, I don't know if. This microphone is picking stuff up, but my cat is like going nuts, like running all over the house. So I don't oh, know if I you don't... can hear him or not. So I if don't... you hear some weird noises, it's my cat. The cat just okay. really likes Entrapta's stories. Yeah, he's like really yeah. enthused about it. <laughs> you, you might also be hearing my dog who's laying plastered up against me snoring right now, too. So. <laughs> I keep like waking him up a little bit, like. So that he, he'll stop snoring for at least short spans of time, but That's he's not adorable. usually in here with me while I'm podcasting. But there's no one else <laughs> home at the moment. So, well, Entrapta did have a big portrait of a cute kitty in her castle, so she clearly loves animals. There you go. <laughs> there you go. 
Well, the next episode uh, is for me, like, you know how you were saying or something some of you were saying, like, uh, you really liked System Failure on first um, watch. Then you kind of were like, eh, on the second. I've always kind of been eh on In the Shadows of Mysticore, and it didn't really improve on on subsequent viewings. <laughs> so this one yeah. was slightly better for me. Like it wasn't hugely better, but I definitely enjoyed it more on this second viewing. But uh, people, God, I really do not like this portrayal of Castispella. Like I just, I just don't. Well, maybe you can, you or someone here can explain to me what is even the point of Mysticore? Because so it's an invisible place, right? And all yes. of these powerful Ethereum sorcerers are up there, like Castispella, which, side note, would have been a perfect time to also name drop Norwin, but they didn't. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, so they're all up there and they, they do these ceremonies to keep Mysticor hidden. But what are all these sorcerers? <laughs> I'm getting heated now. What are they doing to actually help Etheria? Because, like, to me, it seems pointless. Okay, you're keeping all the sorcerers up in the invisible floating island, and then, but they're they're just keeping themselves hidden. They don't seem to be doing anything. And, like, Shadow Weaver knows they're there, and she was able to break in and, like, try to wreak havoc. But then again, I was like, well, they're not doing anything to fight the Horde anyway, so, like, what's the point? Yeah, I, my interpretation, which could be completely wrong, but my interpretation of all that, you have to do a lot of reading between the lines because it, it isn't spelled out very well, if at all, in the episode. But the way that I was taking it was that they're basically up there sort of saving their own skin sort of thing that they don't mm -hmm. really, they're at the moment anyway, not really caring. But Shadow Weaver, A... Uh, wants whatever power she, maybe she can uh, steal up there and B, would like the horde would like to take them out just in case they ever decide <laughs> to be a threat to uh, to the horde so um... to me it seemed more like a training area because it totally just gave me a gave off like Hogwarts vibes because again protected by an in invisibility spell so muggles can't find it um and all the sorcerers are kind of sitting out on the lawn and it looks to me like they're just practicing like they're not necessarily doing anything and I don't think they would just be sitting around showing off to each other so maybe they're honing their skills and learning from each other and then when a threat big enough comes around that they need to use those powers, they will. Oh, I like the Harry Potter analogy. I could see that. Like if it was if maybe they gave you the episode to punch up and rewrite, um, I would like to see that. <laughs> that would work for me. I, the problem, I could see that. The problem is, is that with that, though, is the cast of spell of character because she just comes across as this very self-absorbed <laughs> I you know I don't like I don't know I just the impression I get from her is that she's just she's focused on herself and her magic and really doesn't really care about a whole lot else like she's such an unlikable character well and she's very very jealous of Angela so I don't mm -hmm. know if we're gonna get some type mm -hmm. of backstory like is she jealous because Angela married her brother Micah you know what I mean? Like that type of dynamic, like, oh, you're taking my family away. I don't know. It's a, they're setting up some type of weird 
relationship between her and Angela, which could be good. And I was so confused as to why she... So she knew... So we all know that Light Spinner and Shadow Weaver are the same thing. I liked that. A Light Spinner was from the old She-Ra comic books. Um, but Light Spinner, unnamed, did appear in the Filmation cartoon in, in the Shadow Weaver origin episode. Um, uh, you know, she was there, but she wasn't named Light Spinner. She just wasn't named anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, the Horde gave her power, blah, blah, blah. So that's all kind of the same in here, which I like. But, um, where was I going with this? (laughs) I think I was going with, oh yes, why doesn't Castaspella realize either i guess that like light spinner is shadow weaver and still around i don't know it was i feel like this episode needed to be a two-part episode and then maybe it would have made sense to me if they could have added more details along the way uh, no it's not good enough <laughs> just, <laughs> don't stretch it out any longer uh, here's the thing the the i i get what you're saying i, I agree i really like the School light spinner. me please the, yeah they, i really like that they brought in the light spinner uh angle and all that that was that's really cool we get shadow weaver's kind of backstory a little bit here but to me really the the saving grace of this episode the thing that that i focused on on the second watch is i really liked the uh you know adora kind of knows what's going on she's kind of seeing things because shadow weaver's doing the her manipulation stuff making her see things no one believes her that that stuff is happening and Mm -hmm. uh and so on and the back and forth with all it that's the strength of this episode it falls down basically almost on every other level but that that thread was really good yeah well i i to piggyback off of that ex- I, that part is very strong and i loved that it's um adora for the most part kind of kicks shadow weaver's ass at the end um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so that was kind of nice because I've always liked those things in the original Shira cartoon, like something like the stone and the sword, where it shows that Adora has what it takes to do a lot of this stuff. Like she doesn't necessarily need to rely on always being Shira. Um, well, and it has yeah. to be in this case because it's because of the relationship between Adora yes, and Shadow Weaver. Exactly. Like it has to be, or the story would fall apart. And it's not like a battle of strength as in physical strength in this one. It's power of the mind. Because um, Shadow Weaver is totally using like emotional manipulation to try to control Adora. Like pretending that she's Glimmer and Bo and telling her these horrible things. Like they don't want her around anymore. Go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's able to see through that and come and save them anyway. And like you were saying how she defeats Shadow Weaver at the end of the episode. I love how she says, you have no power over me anymore. And I'm like, oh my God, she just defeated the Goblin yeah, King. Yeah, I thought the same like, thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, yeah, the parallel was too good. Um, um, not to mention. Not to sound like a stupid nerd, but could you explain that a little more? I don't know what the Goblin King is. Oh, from Labyrinth. Yeah, Labyrinth. Oh, never saw, never saw. <gasps> oh my god! John <laughs> Oh, it's bad enough you took forever to see Goonies. You have to oh, watch Goonies Labyrinth. Goonies is awesome, and Labyrinth is good. I will say though, uh, 
I love Labyrinth. I grew up with that. My sister in particular was obsessed with it. I watched it and enjoyed it. A lot of people who see it for the first time as an adult are not into it. <laughs> so, But be, be it's warned. a musical, and I know John likes musicals, and it's David Bowie, and he's hot AF. <laughs> so just focus on that. Okay. Well, are the songs and catchy? Yes. Well, yeah, especially if, yeah, two or three, I get stuck in my head. Like, very I often. have the soundtrack on my phone. Like, it's oh, really good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It is a good um, movie. It just. And also, the puppetry done by Jim Henson mm-hmm. Company is amazing. Watch, it's... but you have to, you definitely have to watch it in the mindset of this is a movie from that time period. Okay. I don't necessarily agree, but fine, <laughs> if that's what you think. <laughs> well, this is better because I thought you were going to tell me that it was like some type of like Lord of the Rings thing to which I can't uh, stand no. Lord of the Rings. So like, no, no, no. that's no. what I thought it was going towards. So if you're saying it's, you know, that I've heard of Labyrinth and I, I kind of know the general idea. I've also never seen the, what is it? The Dark Crystal? Is that the other one? Yeah. That's kind of yeah. related, but not to it. Yeah, no, yeah. no, this is so much better than Dark crystal in my opinion i agree i agree okay well that's good we all agree on something (laughs) and i bet you all agree it's better than this episode of (laughs) (laughs) she-ra one thing i will say about this episode that i liked was the world building like you know going to mysticore and seeing you know a a different kingdom and um Mm -hmm. you learn more about micah and you know, I liked those elements, too. Did uh, it, so yeah, I, I did like those... it more the second time I watched it. Did it make you think of... Remember the episode of She-Ra, uh, the old classic She-Ra? Uh, I think it's called Above It All. And um, Shadow Weaver's, like, manipulating wind and stuff in that episode. But there are these, like, flying islands... And um, there are, like, these trees that are alive on there. And, like, she goes and talks to them. Like, I was wondering if, like, that stuff would have shown up on Mysticore because now it's a floating island. Um, I'm hoping they explore that or use that in a future uh, season. That would be Just cool. for our nostalgic purposes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's And I can't remember the name of the, like, crystals that are... Like kind of on the wall. The lunar lenses. Well, the smaller ones that hold information, apparently, that Adora accidentally breaks a bunch of them. Um, oh. I feel like they call them the scrolls of something, but they're not scrolls. I don't um, remember. Yeah, the lenses, right, were what they were, like, using with the moon. Right. But there were these little diamond-shaped ones all around the walls and they hold like yeah it was kind of know, thousands of years of it was something. kind of like their version of a library yeah so that would be more interesting i would love to see that explored more in the future and going back in those and maybe some of those will explain the whole first one's tech and where that originated and maybe they'll come in handy one day and I love Glitter's itty bitty wings. Yeah, on that her was back. so cute. Oh. I've already seen online that someone got a tattoo of that. I saw that oh my too. Goodness. Wow. It's amazing. And that's not even the first tattoo I've seen of people getting, of characters from this new iteration of She-Ra Did you already. see the, like, the wow. Catra one? Yes. Yeah, that was really good. So good. I typically would hold 
off on such things until I make sure I like it for a few years at least. But you know, that's just me. Good for them. If they love it that much that they want to go ahead and put it on them, enjoy. I mean, it, it definitely amazing. shows that the this, this series is resonating with people. Like, you know. Yeah. And the cosplay? Oh my god. Yeah, there's been some really good cosplay. Did you see the Seahawk? Really good. Yes! <laughs> oh my god. And the guy, and he, he started to sing. I haven't heard him singing yet. I have that tab open, but at the time we were watching something and I couldn't play it, so I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, it's really You know, good. it's funny. I I wish... So, uh, you're talking about the series resonating with people and all of that. That's really, really good. I kind of wish... I know it doesn't work with the overall story arc, but I kind of wish, given that these two episodes... I think we were all more or less in agreement, right? That these are kind of the the weakest of the 13 that we've gotten. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's too bad they're back to back. Like, it's too bad. Like, I feel like we mm -hmm. might have felt, or at least I might have felt differently about these episodes if, there was, if they were surrounded each by better episodes and not in, not together in the middle of the season, you know, because yeah. like right before this, right, we get the, um, the what is it, the Seagate episode, which is great. Mm -hmm. And basically yeah. every episode after this, there's, there are some elements in eight through 13 that I don't care for that we'll talk about when we get to them. But um, overall eight through 13, that whole arc is amazing. And mm -hmm. these two just, if they had just been kind of like, like, for example, um, in the uh, Mike Young series, Off the Deep End, it, or I think it's just called The Deep End, should be Off the Deep End. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Deep End is a terrible episode. It is Horrible. so bad. But because it was preceded by some really, really strong episodes like Sky, I think, I think it's got, if I remember right, I think it's got uh, the courage of Adam on one side and Sky War on the other. So it's like sandwiched in between these two fantastic episodes. So it's like it's kind of forgettable and I don't care and whatever. But with these, I think it's a little bit harder because we've got two episodes that are kind of like that back to back. I mean, there, I don't think either of these is as bad as Deep End. The Deep End was. That was just I think that is the worst episode of the entire Mike Young run. But um I, I wish these could have been just dropped in in different points in the the season because I think they would have been easier to it, it maybe more enjoyable or uh, at at the very least more forgettable. Yeah. Though there was the whole section or scene. It's very brief, but when her sword turns into the classic shield. Oh, that was it. pretty yeah, badass. That was good. So I feel like they at least threw in a few nice, memorable elements to these episodes to elevate them a bit. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. there were there were elements to both episodes that I really liked, but I don't mm -hmm. know. It's just overall, it just wasn't as strong as. You yeah, they know, don't some hold of the together. They don't hold together very well compared to yeah. all of the rest of the the thing. I think part of it too is that. Not that these episodes are necessarily so terrible. It's just in comparison to everything else in this series. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so many, so basically all the other episodes, like story-wise and plot-wise and everything else, are so strong and hold together so well and are so polished. And I, these don't feel the way that the other 11 do. 
Yeah. Agreed. I still like that um, I got to see the shield. I know. It's so cool. It doesn't take much, man. It doesn't take much. <laughs> <laughs> Another good, another good element oh, go in this one is just uh, I also kind of like, even though you know you feel bad for her, I guess, but I do like the how high strung Tori is at times in this episode. That's kind of a yeah. that's it works perfectly for her character, and I think it's kind of a neat trait to to see kind of that flaw in in our hero. Yeah, like her trying to relax on the beach and just right. cannot yeah, do it. <laughs> she's, just, she's just too high strung. And I mean, it makes sense given, you know, her history in the Horde and everything. So, yeah. Well, yeah, like, but see, for an element that makes sense like that, then we get Shadow Weaver, or not Shadow Weaver, I'm sorry, Castispella wanting to knit people's sweaters and socks. I, I, I didn't get... <laughs> The I don't point like of that. I, I think, oh, yeah, I think they're just trying to portray her as like, you know, the aunt that's, you know, that hovers a bit too much and like pinches your cheeks yeah, and oh, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I think they were going for with that. It did not work for me. It just, it just doesn't. I, I don't know. See, I would have. I think uh, I liked her first the, on my first viewing of that episode, because when I. I made some very short notes the first way through, and then now I'm making longer ones as I rewatch them. But I had just put in there, Castispella is so very. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the, the description. That was all, all, in it, all encompassing. She is just so very. Um, but this time I also made a note that the whole knitting sweaters for people and immediately thinking they need feeding up. I'm like, is she Molly Weasley? Well, <laughs> you know, you know, here's that's OK. So you just hit on something I was about to say a second ago. Uh, go, piggybacking on your Harry Potter uh, analogies here. I I would have rather uh, cast a spell be a lot less Molly Weasley and a lot more uh, Professor McGonagall. Oh yeah. See, like that would have worked, and you could have still done yeah. some of that kind of, you know, uh, ant type uh, relationship stuff with that. But that's more what I wish her personality was closer to. Although that would kind of feed into the whole um, spinster ant trope that I don't like. Like, a woman who's unmarried has to be, like, McGonagall? Um, maybe, but we, I don't know. I feel like we're kind of already getting that anyway with the way that Cassipella was portrayed to some degree. But she's not, like, strict and uptight. She's still very loving and happy and open. I don't know. Like, I don't see her as someone who is just, she's not married now and she never will be and... She has sworn off men or women or whoever she is. Yeah, I guess I was in. focusing more on the sort of no nonsense part of McGonagall, not so much the strict part, okay. but the very practical side. Gotcha. Is more what I'm what I'm thinking of. It's just she's uh, I don't know. I I don't <laughs> I don't. Yeah, she's a little flighty, isn't she? Uh, she's a lot flighty. <laughs> well, and, and we don't unfortunately see her again. The rest of the season so maybe that's part of it too like maybe if we got to have her 
uh, be fleshed out a little bit more, if you will, uh, in a couple more episodes. Like if she appeared, we might have a different overall opinion. But since we just kind of have this very stunted appearance and then she's gone, um, maybe in mm-hmm. season two, we'll, we'll get to like her a little bit more. Or maybe once we find out her motivations behind the whole kind of jealousy with Angela. Yeah, that maybe. could be really They're going to have to. They're gonna have to go a long way to make <laughs> to change my mind about guests. <laughs> and like, to think I've, she's voiced by Sandra Oh, who just won a Golden Globe. Yes. Wow, good for her. Famous people on Shira. <laughs> Any other? One, oh, go ahead. Yeah, one quick thing I wanted to say about the classic Shield. I like. I think I'm still getting used to it, but I think I like in this iteration that she doesn't have to say sword to shield it just happens when she needs it to mm-hmm. that's a cool element yeah you know what it didn't what even think? it didn't even bother me like i wasn't sitting there thinking wait a minute she didn't say you know sword yeah. to shield because there's nobody there teaching her how to use the sword she's just figuring it out as she goes so it makes sense that it would just kind of intuit what she needs at that moment and be that thing yeah maybe they'll explain that more in a future episode like when she goes back to see light hope for maybe more yeah. proper training that would be a good episode i i kind of hope though that they don't over like that that's one thing from the filmation series it was definitely overdone was her turning her sword into whatever she like happened it's... to need at any given moment and i really hope there are more limits <laughs> this incarnation than uh, than there was in the original but i did love in the original like you know she used to do like another popular one was sword to rope yeah but mm-hmm. then, like, there was one episode where she was like, sword to lots and lots and lots of rope. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Loved it. I loved it. But you, but honestly, you could hear this Adora in your head saying that, couldn't you? Yeah. I, this Adora especially. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. It would fit her personality to do that. <laughs> I always loved the comedy of that, but there's enough comedy in this show that you don't need to add that element <laughs> necessarily, but uh, I could go either way with it. But it was, I wasn't shocked or dismayed or upset that it was different this time around. No, I, I think I prefer it this way. Cool. Yeah. Um, question for you, Josh. In, so you watch them with the, with the audio descriptions on. Yes. Um, did it tell you like the sword has turned into a shield? Yes. Not okay. necessarily the classic shield, but yes, that it was a shield. Okay. So. Oh, cool. Just wondering, like I wondered how, like if it if it ended up missing any of those little details. Yeah, most of the detail. I mean, it's it's usually you know we get the the basics of what's going on. It's the it is the the detail detailed mm-hmm. de- the detail details that are <laughs> the ones that we miss, right? Like the 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 uh, stuffed cowl on Glimmer's bed, or the fact that it was the classic shield, or whatever. Like uh, those are the things that we don't, um, you know, they don't have time. And even if they people working on it <laughs> know those things, which they probably don't, because they've probably never seen the original. Um, <laughs> they, you know, they don't. They just don't have time to. They talk. They're talking as fast as they can to get everything else in that's important. So that's well, one thing can- I. I love it when we do these shows because when you guys mentioned, you know, little details like that, like, oh, the, 
you know, whatever that was on Glimmer's bed or the this, that, and the other thing. It's like, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that was there. So that, that, I love that mm-hmm. aspect. The other thing I liked about the shield, and this is good because it probably wasn't in the description. Um, so the shield was gold this time instead of silver like it is in the Filmation cartoon. Um, but A, it makes sense just given the what the hilt of the new sword is gold. <laughs> um, but what I liked about it was it looked like the Filmation shield, but it was gold like the shield that came with the original She-Ra toy. So oh, yeah. even if it wasn't intended... Kudos to the designer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll pretend that that was on. Yeah, it's like a lot of wasn't. these things could be just you know happy accidents. Mm-hmm. So, I love that. But any That's other cool. thoughts on in the shadows of Mysticore? Just the very ending where Shadow Weaver is like defeated for the moment and falls over, and Catra is like, "Oh, if you want to take down Adora, you have to go for the heart." And focuses on Bo, and you're like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good setup for the next episode, which is a pretty good episode, even though you might it might be hard for some people to get past the title. Uh, but we'll <laughs> we'll save that for our next episode. Yeah, I I had I had doubts going in, and then those were taken care of. It, the, the the next several episodes are all so good. Yes. Yes. Um. Something I would like to mention uh, before we wrap up is that um, the dates and location for this year's PowerCon have officially been announced. Uh, So PowerCon will be August 17th and 18th in Anaheim, California. Um, For all the details, you can go to thepower-con.com. But basically, this year's PowerCon will celebrate uh, the 30th anniversary of the new Adventures of He-Man. So something that doesn't get that much of a spotlight, usually. Going to give some props to, but that for the cartoon and its toy line. Remember, that cartoon did have 65 episodes, so uh, not too shabby. Um, And also, you know, try to do some focus on the new She-Ra cartoon. Um, But do keep in mind um, that... 2000 or 2020 is the 35th anniversary of the 80s She-Ra. So I would expect more She-Ra at uh, that PowerCon, not necessarily uh, this year's PowerCon. Um, but there will be um, hotel announcement uh, reservations uh, soon. Um, there will be three sets of exclusives. Um, so I'll check out the website for the details because um, you're going to be able to pre-order everything uh, within the upcoming months. Uh, so we want to see you at PowerCon. I will be there as usual. So come say hello. And wear some of that amazing new cosplay that y'all are coming out with. Oh, yeah. I really hope I really hope we see a lot of She-Ra uh, cosplay, new She-Ra cosplay. Um, the stuff yeah. that I see on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, in the She-Ra hashtags, mm-hmm. amazing. Just amazing and so quick like this show just came out and these people are like yeah. whipping out these costumes see it's that maker community yes they know what they're yep. doing. i need i need to you know you, that requires more than me watching a video on how to sew on youtube yes <laughs> <laughs> much more well, uh, thank you for downloading. As usual, uh, we will continue uh, with She-Ra and the Princesses of Power and what other topic we feel is necessary on the next episode. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratos Macca. And I'm Josh to Lioncourt, also known as just Lioncourt. 
Good, 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 good journey. journey. Good journey. Good journey to you. And you. And you get a good journey. And you get a good journey. <laughs> I was Oprah there for a second, if you. I could tell you yeah. were. <laughs> <laughs> That was amazing.